Welcome to our Meditation Service podcast. Each week we will have a different presentation, including different sutra chanting, different speakers, and different Dharma messages. Through this Meditation Service program, we will have both seated and standing meditation, sutra chanting, and a Dharma message. We hope that this Meditation Service podcast will enable the listener to experience meditation, to experience sutra chanting, and to listen to a Dharma message. In our Shin Buddhist tradition, we regard meditation as not a practice or as a means to try to attain enlightenment, but we are simply sitting to calm ourselves so that we might better receive the Dharma, hear the Dharma. Our everyday life is so hectic and fast-paced and busy that we need a little bit of quiet time, tranquility. We find it hard to focus on listening to a message, and so by sitting first, we're able to settle ourselves, calm ourselves, and open our hearts and minds to receive the teachings. Once we learn how to receive the teachings in a meditation service, we find that we're able to receive the teachings even in our everyday life. We encounter teachers anywhere. It could be a driver. It could be a bartender. It could be your pet cat or dog that gives you a teaching relevant to your life. Thank you. The Golden Chain I am a link in Amida's golden chain of love, that stretches around the world. I will keep my link bright and strong. May I be kind and gentle to every living thing and protect all who are weaker than myself. May I think pure and beautiful thoughts, say pure and beautiful words, and do pure and beautiful deeds. May every link in Amita's golden chain of love be bright and strong, and may we all attain perfect peace. We will now chant the Junidai. The chanting text is on page 49 in our Shin Buddhist service book. Junidai means 12 verses of reverence. The text originated in India some 18 centuries ago, and after that it was translated into Chinese. The Chinese is actually what we are chanting. It talks about the spiritual qualities of Amida Buddha and the Pure Land using very poetic language. There's a repeating line it goes, Koga Chorai Mida Son, meaning, Thus I bow my head to the ground before Amida the Noble One. The meaning is quite similar to Namo Amidabutsu, which we use as a way of expressing our spiritual life. So let's now chant the Junirai. Teshu tenin shoku gyo Amida sen ryozoku son Zai ibi meu wan rako Muryo bushi shui neu Shantagyo <laughs>
years of age to seek the way and to realize awakening. It took him six years of everyday consistent practice until at 35 he realized awakening under the Bodhi tree. And then from 35 to 80 he taught and began to develop the Buddhist Sangha. So in the Buddhist tradition we have 45 years of teachings from the Buddha and it's kind of a wealth of uh, texts, so much so that a very famous Buddhist scholar, her name is Jan Nadier, uh, I think she's at Berkeley now, retired, she estimated that there's 500,000 pages in the Mahayana Buddhist canon. That's an astronomical number. I always think she meant words or sentences or paragraphs, but I've gone back and checked and rechecked the quote. It's pages. So 500,000. It sounds even more when you say half a million pages. So, you know, to read through the canon would be 10,000 pages a year for 50 years. I think I could read 10,000 pages a year, but not for 50 years. I don't have that much time. And also, I think a lot of the texts haven't been translated into English, or if they are, the translations may not be good. So there's a real issue in Buddhism in general of too much texts. And another issue beyond just the volume of it is that when it came into China from India, it was in a foreign language. It was in Sanskrit. So the Chinese had 500,000 pages of Sanskrit to translate into Chinese. And a solution or an approach or a strategy was rather than studying Buddhism breadth first, you know, instead of trying to read everything an inch deep, Chinese Buddhist schools decided that they would take a depth first approach. And so different schools in China began to focus on individual texts or a set of texts, claiming that it was the most representative of the Buddhist teachings, or one could focus on this set and realize awakening. So it's not that all the texts aren't important, but just out of necessity, focus was necessary. And so this happened in Zen, it happened in Tendai, it happens in Tibetan Buddhism, it also happens in Pure Land Buddhism. And the three texts we focus on in the Pure Land tradition 
is the smaller sutra or the Amida Kyo, the Amida Sutra. There's another sutra that goes by three names. I think originally it was called the Contemplation Sutra. Then I noticed scholars started calling it the Meditation Sutra. And I think the most recent naming of it is the Visualization Sutra. So, you know, you can tell we even have trouble coming up with the right name for the text. So scholars thought it was a dealing with contemplation. Then they refined the definition to meditation. And then they realized it really is a visualization text. And then finally, the one we focused most on out of the three is the larger sutra. And in the larger sutra, it's a narrative, it's prose. But sprinkled throughout, suddenly you'll find a section where every sentence is, say, four characters, or every sentence is five characters. And that's a tip-off that you've come across a verse or a poem. And so these have been extracted because they're very convenient to chant, right? They have a very regular structure. And two of the main verses that are in the larger sutra is called the Jusege. It's 220 kanji characters. In our service book, they're romanized so that an English person can read them. It uses an English alphabet. But there's 220 kanji characters represented in terms of sound written in English. And then the other one we chant a lot is called the Sambutsuge. And it is 320 kanji characters. So for the Jusege, every line is five characters. And for the Sambutsuge, every line is four characters. And the way they fit into the larger sutra is there is a seeker named Dharmakara who uh, has a, a, an extremely important teacher he meets in his life named Lokesvara Raja. And he's so taken back by this teacher, he begins to praise his teacher. And the way it starts out is it's kind of talking about the qualities of the teacher and how wonderful his teacher is and what an impact he's had on his life. But then it begins to shift to the first person. And Dharmakara begins to say, when I become a Buddha, or when I become like my teacher, or when I start to emulate the things that my teacher lives every day. So it becomes from the third person to the first person, it becomes very personal. And then the other thing I like to mention is that when you chant, you're repeating the words of another. You're repeating the words of Dharmakara. But since it's in the first person, over time, you can think about it as your own personal expression of devotion to the Buddhist way. So the I is no longer Dharmakara, you begin to identify with the text in a very personal way. So that's the Sambutsuge, it's a, in praise of, of a teacher. And then the Jusege we chant, which is a little shorter, it is kind of a condensation of the 48 vows that Dharmakara makes after the Sambutsuge. So Dharmakara praises his teacher, and then he says, I want to be like my teacher, and then he gives 48 vows, like, unless everybody calls my name, or unless I'm not respected by all Buddhists, may I not attain enlightenment. So all the 48 vows are kind of in this format. If I don't achieve this, then I will not become awakened. And there's 48 of them. We also chant that. That's called the Shiju Hachigan, but it's in prose. It's repetitive because of the structure of the vows, but it's not a regular number of characters per line because it's narrative prose, not verse. So then after the 48 vows, we have the Jusege. And Jusege means repeated vows. So Dharmakara goes back and out of these 48 vows, he kind of picks the three most important vows that he's going to emphasize. 
and he emphasizes the 12th about attaining enlightenment, 13th about saving all beings, and 17th about having his name or his teachings pervade the universe, his words. And so that's the 12th, 13th, and 17th vow. Uh, And in our service book, we have it in Romaji, which is Romanized English to read when we chant as English-speaking people. We also have it in kanji with the hiragana. Uh, They call this futagana. The kanji is there, but then there's the Japanese sound characters, too, if you want to uh, take a stab at that one day. And then we also have English translations of the text in prose. But we have to be careful when we read these texts. I've mentioned earlier, we shouldn't read them literally. This is poetry. It's like lyrics to a song. You know, I listen to Hey Jude. I listen to Stairway to Heaven. I listen to Let It Be. I don't take those songs literally. They're expressing a feeling or an emotion, or they're, they're trying to make me feel the heart of the person that created that work of art within myself. So you don't want to read these like we read the Bible. It's not literal. It's not historical. It's transformative. You could say it's wordplay. It's language on the edge of meaning. And the other thing that's kind of surprising, I think, to new people is Buddhists have never really chanted for knowledge. These aren't flashcards. We're not trying to memorize or learn in an academic sense. When you chant with a group, there's a feeling of oneness. We often say you want to chant with your ears not with your mouth. So you really want to listen and blend in. And when you open your mouth, it'll feel as if all the voices in the room are coming out of your mouth when you open your mouth. And this is a ritual experience of oneness when we chant. So just like meditation, contemplation, visualization, we don't know what word to use. Sitting silently on a cushion is meditation, but chanting is also a form of meditation or contemplation, or concentration, or focus. You just say the next character and the next sound, and you move on, and you're in the moment. And as soon as you start to listen to yourself, you'll make a mistake or skip a line. You want to be immersive and relax, and it should be something you experience. So silently meditating in stillness is one approach. Meditating with sound is another. And meditating through motion is another. Walking meditation, yoga, is meditation through motion. So there's these three forms. And a lot of times we do all three at our meditation services, sitting silently, chanting with sound, and walking meditation. And so this is an important aspect to the meditation service. You could think of your body too as being an instrument of propagation, that the teachings are resonating. Your body is a tuning fork that's in harmony with ultimate reality of the universe you're kind of compelled to react to the vibration of sound. And when you vocalize, you're making it real. You're going all in. It's almost like saying, I love you to someone. It may be understood. It may be the subtext to your relationship. But until you say it out loud, it doesn't really exist in a concrete form. You have to really step up to express yourself. And it becomes real in the moment it's verbalized. And so this is kind of the idea behind chanting. Uh, It's a very important aspect. It's complementary, mutually reinforcing. So don't worry so much about pitch. You know, it will come. There is a beat and there is a pitch. And if you just relax and experience it, it will over time have great meaning in your life. So I hope you are not too self-conscious or self-aware 
uh, this would be a good time not to be self-reflective. Just become one with the sound and become part of the group and practice with the Sangha. It's your membership into the group when you chant. Thank you very much. Please join me in Gosho. Namandouts, 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 namandouts. The Three Treasures How rare and wondrous it is to have been born into human life, and now I live it. How rare and wondrous it is to be able to listen to the Buddha Dharma, and now I am able to hear it. If I do not transcend the world of delusion in this life, when will I ever attain spiritual liberation? May I, along with the entire Sangha, with sincere heart and mind, rely on that which can be truly relied on in life, the three treasures. I rely on the Buddha. May I, along with all sentient beings, awaken to the great path with my entire being and discover the highest aspiration, which is to become a Buddha. I rely on the Dharma. May I, along with all sentient beings, deeply reflect on the meaning of the sutras and gain wisdom that is as deep and vast as the ocean. I rely on the Sangha. May I, along with all sentient beings, become one Sangha of life, able to move forward and live with a dynamic spirit that is hindered by nothing. The unsurpassed, deep, and wondrous dharma, even in millions of kalpas, is extremely difficult to encounter, but now I am able to experience and embrace it. May I come to understand and revere the true meaning of the Tathagata. Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts. Based on recommendations from the U.S. Center of Disease Control, the CDC, the OCBC has decided to take the following actions. Through and including March 31st, 2020, OCBC will cancel all activities and events on campus. This includes Ohigan Seminar and Services, Sunday Services, including Meditation and Family Service, Adult Study, Dharma School, Japanese School, BEC Classes, Other Seminars, Organizational Meetings, Luncheons, etc. Also, the following events in April are either canceled or will be postponed. The Shotsuki Hoyo service on April 4th, the Hanamatsuri luncheon on April 12th, and the actual Hanamatsuri festival, which was scheduled for April 18th and 19th, has been canceled. We apologize for the inconvenience, but we feel that the COVID-19 situation warrants this change. We will be revising this at the end of the month to determine what future actions need to be taken. Please return to the OCBC website to get regular information and current updates. Online classes will remain available, and the Weekly Wheel podcast will continue to be updated. We appreciate your understanding.
For access to all the monthly minister messages, please visit the Orange County Buddhist Church website at ocbuddhist.org. And at the bottom of the homepage, you will see all the minister's messages sorted by date for you to read and think about and comment on. I hope to see you there. Happy reading. For access to more content, please visit our YouTube channel by searching for the Orange County Buddhist Church. There's over 40 different videos, all about 15 to 20 minutes each, from Dharma Talks and Adult Study given on Sundays at the Orange County Buddhist Church by various ministers. Please attend online. This concludes our podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening and gained something from this segment. Please join us again. And thank you. Today's program was presented by Reverend John Turner, Reverend Marvin Harada, Reverend Ellen Crane, and Minister's Assistant James Pollard. Executive Producers Reverend Marvin Harada and Jim Scott Produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA Directed and engineered by Reverend John Turner Edited by Jim Scott This program includes excerpts from Time Stood Still by Riley Lee, used with permission. This program is copyright 2020, Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, USA. All rights reserved. We hope you'll join us for future podcasts, or please check out our Buddhist online program at everydaybuddhist.org. Our website is ocbuddhist.org. There are Dharma messages that you can read on the website, and the online program has a number of Buddhist education courses from introductory level to the study of Buddhist texts. If you've never attended one of our meditation services, we are located at 909 Southdale Avenue in Anaheim. Thank you for joining us today.